0: welcome once again to another edition of Mets at the Movies, the podcast that talks about movies from celluloid to digital and everything in between. And on today's episode, we're gonna hack the planet. That's right. We're gonna talk about the incredible 1995's Hackers. Now, I wasn't sure what movie I was gonna talk about this week. I, it was literally up to, the, up to the, the last second. I couldn't figure it out. And then all of a sudden, I was flipping through some... Uh, channels on my tv hackers was there it was still within like the first 20 minutes so i was like you know what i'll watch hackers and as i was watching this i was blown away i remember liking the, this movie but after seeing it now a few times i love this movie this is a great movie well greats subjective but i do love this movie it's so 90s that it's incredible like it's got pay phones it's got a scene that has people in payphones spinning around in the middle of a crowded area, and it's all and and, it has, and it's not actually there. It's all symbolism, but it's got payphones. Everybody's got a payphone they have to connect to the internet with. It's awesome. It's also got people getting their credit cards cut up. Remember at a time when your credit card was declined or anything like that, the waiter would come by and cut your credit card? Yeah, it doesn't happen anymore, but that happened for a while. It happened. All these people with, with landlines and everything and everything like that, that they had to connect directly. Wi-Fi didn't exist. Yeah, that happened. Remember when everybody in the 90s was trying to dress all like sci-fi and futuristic? Yeah, that happened. It was real. I love this movie so much. It brought back so many memories of when I was a kid, trying to use the internet, logging in, um, just kind of seeing what the world was like. It was police versus hackers. And it was a fun movie. It was great. I want to watch this movie again. I love this movie. Hackers is great. Have I s- said that enough? Hackers is great. It's it's so cyber... Well, it's not overly cyberpunk. But it's... Uh, I can't gush. I can't gush over it enough. This movie is great. I might watch it again just because i love this movie and again it's so 90s remember rollerblades do people even rollerblade anymore i used to rollerblade a few few times it was fun you move things you move by things faster or you move faster on wheels but i don't know does anybody even rollerblade anymore i wish they did i don't see people rollerblading i mean i haven't in a while because it's been the winter time but people should rollerblade more often Because there's a lot of rollerblades in this movie, even like straight up like adults, like 30-year-old like businessmen in suits rollerblading because it's wicked. This movie's great. I love this movie. Now, again, we're going to be talking about the movie Hackers, which if you don't know by now, why did you watch, why did you listen the first three minutes and 30 seconds of this podcast? Um, then you might have skipped to this, but I love this movie for mul- 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 multiple reasons. But we'll go over the story first because the story is actually kind of an interesting story, and it's it's I think it's a well told told story. And it starts off with a young Dade. Now Dade is our is our main is our lead character in this in uh, adult form. He's played by Johnny Lee Miller, who was in the tra- transporting films. He's also in the new TV show Elementary. He's also in a show that I absolutely love, uh, Eli Stone. Most people don't know about Eli Stone because it wasn't a hu- huge hit, but it was, it was a lawyer show. It was a, it was a comedic, it was a, it was a dramatic comedy show about a lawyer who finds out he has an aneurysm in his brain and he starts seeing people sing um, George Michael songs like flat-out massive performances of George Michael's songs. And I love that show. Maybe I really like Johnny Lee Miller. I haven't seen Elementary, and I haven't seen Tra- Spotty in a while. Maybe I just really like Johnny Lee Miller. But yeah, Eli Stone, check it out. But we start off this film, and we see a young Dave, and he's hacking into the New York Stock Exchange. And we find out that he's hacking into over 15,000 computers, it's one of the biggest hacks around, and this kid's only, at this point, he's only 11 years old, he's one of the youngest out there, and he ends up getting caught by by the police, and this will show you how 90s this movie was. For hacking into the New York Stock Exchange, and affecting over 15,000 com- computers, his family got a $45,000 fine. $45,000 now again 90s still a lot but still $45,000 and he wasn't able to touch t- 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 a computer for 18 until he's 18 that was his punishment that's a pretty good punishment for being well known in the hacking world for this for $45,000 and he can't touch a computer to 18 that feels kind of light but again 90s hacking wasn't a huge threat at this point um i mean it was because of the early uh or because the late 80s and early 90s there were there was a lot of raids but again this is a fun movie so we jump to the future and d8 is now eight, 18 and he's full johnny lee miller mode and he's he finally gets a new gift because it's his 18th birthday and he gets a computer and the first thing he does is he hacks into a local tv stays, station and starts playing an Outer Limits show instead of their regular programming. Remember when Outer Limits was good? I used to really like a- a- Outer Limits as well. I still do. I wouldn't mind seeing it again. It's like a darker tw- Twilight Zone or like a more adult Twilight Zone. But the only thing is while he's hacking in, he ends up coming across another hacker called Acid Burn. Now at this point we don't know who Acid Burn is. Acid Burn is, but they kind of get into this mini feud while they're hacking in. Now, next, Dade ends up, he enrolls in a local high school because him and his mom moved to Florida, or um, New York, sorry. I don't know why I said Florida. But uh, they moved to New York and he enrolls in a local school. And that's where he meets Kate and Ramon. Kate, played by a young Angelina Jolie, who at this point, I think this was her second big movie she was in a few like straight to dvd straight to video movies at this point and a few other smaller things but this was like still early in her career and this was her second big picture and we also meet meet ramon sanchez uh, also known as the phantom freak that's his that's his code name on um on on the web and uh ramon is played by Rinello Santiago, who was in Con Air and Dangerous Minds, which was also in theaters the exact same week as this. So he had two movies out. Not, not bad. Now, after kind of showing off his hacking skills against Kate because she ends up playing a prank on him, they decide, you know what, he, kinda, he, he seems like he knows way, way what he's doing, and they invite him into their their circle. And this is where we meet Emmanuel Goldstein, who goes by Serial Killer, played by, again, another young Matthew Lillard, Paul Cook, who is also known as Lord Nikon. Yes, it's pronounced and the symbol is the exact same as the camera company, and he's played by Lawrence Mason, who has been in quite a few roles, actually, for a while, Um, but he's going to be playing a fairly big role. He was in uh, an episode of Daredevil, the netflix series and he's also and he also has a role in the upcoming movie labyrinth which is the police investigation which is a movie about the police investigation about biggie and tupac's murder um but he's been in a lot of things i was actually surprised when i started going through and they also meet a young joey pardella he is played by Jesse Bradford, who is the brother from Bring It On, and he was also in Swim Fan. Now, at this point, Joey doesn't have a name yet because he hasn't become an elite. Uh, you get a, you get a name when you become an elite, um, and Joey doesn't have one at this point, so he's the young one out of the group. So Joey tries to prove himself, and he ends up hacking into... At first, he hacks into a bank, um, and he releases some money in, like, Ohio or idaho or something like that and they're not impressed so they kind of goad him into trying trying something a little bit better so joey ends up hacking into this um mineral company and to prove prove himself he ends up copying um some gar some garbage files some nothing files that don't mean anything but while he's in there he ends up getting getting caught by an it agent named hal played by pen gillette and there, and the company's head of, uh, I guess it's head of um, security, internet, internet security. His name is Eugene Belford. He's a former hacker. He's also known as the Plague. And Eugene is played by Fisher Stevens, who was in, who was Iggy in the Super Mario Brothers movie. But I know him more as the unfortunately cast Indian character from Short Circuit. Which uh, good movie, fun, fun fun movie. It's just whitewashing, casting at its one of its worst. Um, it's a clear ex- example of why you shouldn't really do that. Just hire the, the hire the appropriate actors, cast the appropriate actors. So Joey ends up getting caught. He was o- he's only able to copy part of the files, but Eugene uses this time and informs the police the secret service and they end up arresting joey now prior to this as well we also see eugene kind of inform the company that there's been a hack they've left a virus in there Um, the virus is asking for money and if they don't they're going to tip over some tankers uh, because their their tankers are all tied to their internet system so a hacker could easily go in there and kind of alter things but we end up finding out that eugene is actually the bad guy in this in this movie because the files that were copied contained infer contained uh, a secret worm that has been siphoning money off out of the company um for a while like a couple cents here and there and there um kind of like kind of like what happened in the movie office space but obviously that this did it first and Eugene is worried that he's going to get caught, so he ends up blaming this kid to put in this virus to kind of keep people away from asking asking questions. And he's able to put all the blame on this kid. So we find out that not only is he doing this, but the company's head of publicity, Margot, who is played by Lorraine Bracco, who is the uh, psychiatrist from The Sopranos, and the two of them are working together to basically steal $20, $25 million from this company and, and leave. And the agent that is in charge of the C- Secret Service to arrest hackers is played by Weldon Pierce, who is um, he's one of the police officers from The Wire. And I think he was also in, oh, what was um, Treme? I believe he was also in that as well. Great actor, actually. He was really good in this. Um, and it's his job to hunt down, down these hackers. He's kind of in charge of a uh, hacker ta- 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 task force. And weirdly enough, 1995, one of the agents, Mark Anthony. That's right. International multi-million dollar album or multi-million album seller. And I think he's married to Jennifer Lopez at this point. I think so. Um Mark Anthony that's right a young Mark Anthony twenty three years ago was in the movie hackers it's kind of fun to see 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 where people have so once our group of hackers find out that what Joe Joe Joey did they kind of formulate a plan to go together and can and 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 basically free Joey and Bring him his innocence, and to try and figure out, you know, what's going on, because they realize that um, this the hacker, the plague, Eugene, uh, he knows more than, than than what's go going on, because he ends up um, um, threatening Dade into providing the into finding the information and giving him back and giving it back, which he ends up doing it, but prior to making copies of of it as, as well because they want to figure out what's going on so finally they figure out after hacking and doing their hacking and blading ways that um, they end up getting the entire gar- gar- garbage file and finding out what's go- going on so what they need to do is they need to go in find the find more information so they can let the pol- police know that this whole conspiracy was uh created by eugene and margot to steal money which they end up doing they hack in and there's this a really fun like hacking war scene um but the only way to do it is they have to get hackers from all over the world hackers of the world unite to fight this foe um and they end up doing it they get all, all the information they hack into tv systems around the world they show the the information about eugene and Margot and what happened and yay all the hackers are free the right people are in jail and Dade and kate can start dating because part of their subplot was he liked her and he was trying to get her to go out on on a date she didn't want to because she was the tough badass care character but the, um, there were times where she was showing it Interest in him as well, so finally they can date. Joey's free. Hackers are looked at as, as as good people now. Try trying to save the world, and all all is all is forgiven. All is nor nor normal again. But when you watch this movie, it is nothing but n- normal. It's so stylish, stylish. Um, just the way people dress, just the way people act and talk. It's amazing. It brings me so much joy when I listen to all this 1995 computer lingo when everything was in kilobytes, Um, and the whole concept of a gigabyte was like, nope, that's too much. It's 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 never going to happen. It can't fit on a computer, and computers were so small. Um, The screens and the key keyboards looked almost like tiny briefcase cases. Oh, my God. And every time they went into cyberspace, it looked straight up like Lawnmower Man. um, Where it looked looked like Lawnmower Man and Tron had a kid. And that kid grew up to be awesome. And that's what the inside of cyberspace looks like in this. Um, Green and blue and dark sky and colorful buildings that are servers and all the information. It was awesome. Just... Flying through computer parts, um, like you were logging in. There was no such thing as uh, as cable lines, Wi Wi Fi. Everything had to be logged in through an Ethernet or um, phone line. Sorry, everything had to be logged in through through phone lines. Virtual reality was huge in this too, because uh, one scene has Johnny John Lee Miller's character wearing this like. Um, it looked like early Google Google glasses headset, and he used that to to look into cyberspace. So not only was he hacking through code on, on the computer, he, he was also looking through like a visual representation of the internet. Super weird, uh, but it was it was it was so cool. It was so much fun. I love this mo- movie, um, which I've said multiple times. I want to go buy it. I don't I don't own it yet. I ended up watching it on uh, Encore. But I want to buy it. I want to own this thing so I can make everybody I know watch this film. Um, the music in it, the music in it is super electronic 90s. Um, it's it's the perfect soundtrack f- for this. Um, it's got some of the best electronic artists out, out there at that time. Underworld, Prodigy, Carl Cox, um, Orbital. David Bowie has a song in it. BT. BT just to name a few there's a whole bunch of others as well um like it's the the soundtrack you can just listen now the soundtrack came out in three different sound, sound soundtracks that i want to go on apple music to see if they're there because i wouldn't mind just listening to those soundtracks soundtracks are great as well There's so much fun they're so upbeat and so techno um there's also a bunch of scenes in this in this club cyber cyberella I think the club club is called, and it's just like crazy, like like hip youth techno. Uh, if you've ever seen, and most of you probably haven't. If you've ever seen Double Dragon, the house or the the club of the main gang of the good gang in that, uh, it almost looks like the club and hackers almost lo- lo- looks like the club in, um, in that. If they if the lighting was turned out, actually, you know what it looks like? It looks like the arcade that is in the first uh, Turtles movie. It looks it looks a lot like that with a whole bunch of ramps, a whole bunch of music, a whole bunch of gaming and computers and and things and things like that. It's pretty cool. Um, everybody, I think, gives great performances. A lot of them are over the top. Matthew Lillard's performance in this is way over the top. But it works for him. The chemistry between Angelina Jolie and Johnny Miller is so good that after they made this film, they ended up getting married for a few years. They got divorced, and they're still good friends. But their chemistry was so good in it that it carried over into, on, in, into the uh, real life. I mentioned Mark and Anthony's car- character as well. He was a confusing character because he was part of the Secret Service agency tracking down hackers, but yet, at a party scene at Kate's house, I'm pretty sure he was there. Um, and he knows all this computer, computer stuff. There was even a scene where people were, were, like, talking about different parts. And he was like, oh, that's so cool. It's neat. And someone's like, these people are criminals. How do you like them? And he kind of shriveled down a bit. I didn't understand his his character. Um, I didn't know if he was for or against the hackers. And he really didn't have a huge part to really show kind of what um, was happening. There's also a lot of dream sequences in this. In a movie about hacking and teens, there was a surprising amount of dream sequences that everybody had that were to play off as real. Uh, it was very confusing. Um, I didn't understand kind of why they were in there. After a while, I, I understood why um, to kind of give context for certain things and to help build character relationships. Um, but they weren't there. It's also kind of funny. It's not overly funny. Like, I wouldn't say it's a comedy, but there are some funny bi- bits in it. There are some fu- funny characters. There are some funny interactions. Um, and you kind of chuckle a bit. I mean, you, you you chuckle at the fun about, like, it, it's, it's the 90s as well. Uh, even the hacking programs are so basic that... Any of the programs they use in those would be so basic for anybody to use these days that it's almost laughable, but it's, it's charming. And when they, and when they hack into things and they show recorded videos that they uploaded, they're so low res that it's charming. That's what this movie has. When you're looking at old school technology, it's got a lot of charm, and that's what I love about this movie as well. Not only is it fun, it's got a whole bunch of charm as well. And they had a hacker consultant on this film. His name is Nicholas Jersky, probably pronouncing that wrong, but he was a hacker. He was a former hacker who was also a consultant on this film. And because of his love of this film and how much he had fun making it he ended up becoming a director and he directed R- richard Gere in arbitrage which when you go from hackers to that you're like what but no this guy was a hacker and uh he ended up fully um he he made a golden globe nominated movie now the Gold golden globe was for best actor in a lead role for richard Gere, but this guy was a hacker consultant in 95 for the movie hackers And then he makes a movie that has Richard Gere nominated for Golden Globe. That's a pretty good jump. Now the writer of the film, um, Raphael Maru, he only has one other. He only has one other writing credit on IMDb, and it's (laughs) it's the Rage Carry Two, which came out in nine ninety nine. Those are his only two credits. I have never, I have not seen the Rage Carry Two. I don't really need to see the Rage Carry Two, but because of how much I love this movie, I might go and see it just to give this guy a chance, which is kind of fun because some of the things he said, like while he was writing this, he would hang out with hackers, he would go to hacker conventions. John Johnny Lee Miller went to a ha- hacker convention, um, which is which I find. Very cool because there's a guy that I used to work with a few years ago who would go to, it's this convention in Vegas. I think it's called like uh, DEFCON. And it's all about like computer programming, um, securities, things like that. Um, And talking to him about about this, I would would always joke about like, hey, where are your rollerblades? Um, And he would get, and he would kind of have that like annoyed laugh Because, yeah, it's funny, but, like, it's not how they are. That's one of the things about this movie that people kind of didn't like is um, they loved how stylish it was. But they they couldn't get over the fact that um, they couldn't get over the fact about just how it looked. They thought that it looked or they thought that the portrayal of hackers was just too, too much, um, which I can't say if they were right or wrong. My guess is they're probably wrong because a lot of these, a lot of critics probably had no idea about the hacking culture back then. So they were probably looking at these characters and thinking, you know, these are just, you know, over the overblown kids and stereotypes and and everything. Where in, in reality, that might have actually been what they were like um because again in nine in nine ninety five, we didn't know as much about hacking as we do we do now we knew some but we didn't know we didn't know a lot you know al gore had just started building the internet not not too recently um and it's one of the things i also like about uh, about this film um to give rafael or Raphael knew credit was he had scenes and characters inspired by previous, um, previous people that were related to computers. Um, so at the very end, when Eugene is trying to escape, he's fly, flying away and he uses a fake name, Mr. Um, Babbage, and that's a re- reference to Charles Babbage, who is an early inventor known for creating one of the first um, computer circuits. Um, Which is kind of fun and and interesting. And the computer mainframe that the mineral company had was uh, called Gibson. And it was uh, named after William Gibson, who's an author, who is the one who coined the term cyberspace. So that's kind of, that's kind of, kind of fun. And what I also liked about about this film is they wanted to keep it looking real. And this is why some, sometimes you can't use CGI. Sometimes it's okay. If you go again if you go back to my uh um discussion about The Hundred Foot Journey, sometimes CGI is great, sometimes you don't need it. And he was he the d- director was adamant about not having cgi so a lot of times when they were flying through cyberspace he used uh miniatures models motion control animation rotoscoping he didn't use any cgi and it shows it looks it looks really fun um this movie it feels too short i wanted it to go on longer um not too long i mean it didn't feel oh overly short but i loved all the characters i love the wardrobe as well like again the wardrobe the wardrobe is so like futuristic if you've ever watched demolition man and you see kind of what people are wearing as upscale clothing in the future that's what a lot of these people were wearing as well and it just looks so like it's gonna come back it Fashion always comes back. Fashion runs in a circle. And this sci-fi 90s stuff is going to come back. We're going to see it again. Right now, we're just in a different phase. But we're eventually going to have this stuff come back. And it's going to be a wonderful time. I can't speak highly enough about this film. I want... Everybody to see this film. I want to talk about this film. I want to watch this movie again. I want to listen to the soundtracks. This isn't one of my favorite movies, but this is one of the. the, This is a movie that I had so much fun watching. And if you ever get get the chance, please why watch it? Now, it even though I love it so much, it didn't do very well at the box office. Not at all. It was made for only twenty million dollars and it only grossed 7.5 million domestic. I couldn't find anywhere that had international, which makes me think that maybe it didn't play in any international markets. And so it was a failure. It was a it was a bomb, it was a fa- failure. As I said, people praised it for its stylish look but just hated for its depiction of ha- hacker culture. It's got a 46 on Metacritic, 32% on raw, Rotten Tomatoes. The week it came out, was September 1995, it came out fourth, and only grossed $3.6 million, so you're already looking at almost half its total gross in its o- opening weekend. That same weekend had number one, Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for the member. no, was it Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, which if you haven't seen that, really funny movie. I was surprised at how much fun, how funny that movie was. The Spike Lee movie, Clockers, the previous mentioned, Dangerous Minds, which had, um, oh, why can't I remember her name? She is, she played Catwoman in Batman Returns, and oh my God, why can't I remember her name? It's going to come back. But that, but Dangerous Minds was number three, and then... Hackers was n- number four. And The Usual Suspects, number five. I wonder if pe- people can still watch that movie now and uh, enjoy it for what it was after after what happened with Kevin Spacey. I'd be interested in that because there's a whole discussion I want to have on art versus um, Michelle Pfeiffer. That's it. Sorry, it was Michelle Pfeiffer. I want to have one episode where I bring in some some friends of mine and we have a discussion about... Um, can you still enjoy something? Uh, can, do, does, is the art affected by the artist? Can you still enjoy the art knowing what's happened with the artist? I'd be interested to have a conversation about that. In its second weekend, it dropped from four to seventh. And in its second w- weekend, it saw as the number one movie that weekend, seven, number two, Showgirls. So between Usual Suspects, Two Wong Fu, Seven, Showgirls, and Hackers, those two weeks, those few weeks were a strange few weeks. That's why I love the 90s. There were some strange movies that would normally, would normally show up, like if they were made in the 80s. Um, like if Showgirls was made in the 80s, it would be straight up, it would feel like a teenage rom-com. If Seven was made in the 80s, it would be some Jim Jaramouche, like in like indie film. Um, so like the '90s were weird, where they didn't know where 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 like indie like movies that should have been indie were starting to become mainstream, and people didn't know how to re- react to them. In its third weekend, it was pushed out of top twenty. It was gone. It was gone. Three weeks in, nobody cared. That's it. Hack the hack the planet. Done. Move on. It was gone. And I would have loved to see see, see this film in theaters. I'm hoping that one of these days, uh, one of my local theaters that so, sometimes plays older films will have uh, this showing. My dream is to open up a movie theater and charge nothing for people and just play movies that... I love and for people to watch. That is my dream job: is to run a movie theater that has one screen. It's got one screen. It plays three movies on Saturdays, three movies on Sundays, and two movies during the week. One in the afternoon, one in the evening. That's it. It's totally free. Obviously, I'd have to be a millionaire for this, but it's totally free for people to just come in to sit down watch a movie, hang out and leave. That's my dream. That that is honestly my dream job. If I could have that, I would be the happiest man in the world. Now the top 3 movies of 1995 were Toy Story, Batman Forever. Remember when Batman Forever was the number 2 movie of 1995? Remember when everybody loved Batman Forever? God, the 90s were so weird. I love it. I just want I to... Might, I might... If I ever get uh, in the mood to do like a second podcast, maybe I'll do like... Or maybe I'll just do like a month devoted to 90s movies where I'll just talk about 90s mo- movies because it's one of my favorites. Ah, oh, so weird. Batman Forever. Go back and watch that again. It's a rough... You have uh, Tommy Lee Jones playing Two-Face, but, like, the Adam West, like, an Adam West Batman version of Two-Face. Like, he had no idea what movie he is. Nobody knew what movie he is in. Batman Forever. Remember when that was huge? So good. And you know what movie it beat out? Apollo 13. That's right. Batman Forever grossed more money in 1995 than Apollo 13. Look at the cast of Apollo 13; it's crazy. Batman Forever, I'm Batman Forever. Unfortunately, though, hackers didn't fare too well as these movies. In it, only it was number 130 on the uh, most most mon, most like box office returns in. 1995, um, so it didn't do too well, at 100 and 130, again, it only grossed, what was it $7.5 million, so it wasn't really a big hit, and it just beat out the Jerky Boys, the Jerky Boys, haven't heard my, much of that in a while, by like, six million, or like, like. Not even six million. It was like six thousand dollars. That's how much Jerky Boys beat out, and Jerky Boys I wasn't a huge fan of, but like that was a rough year. Cutthroat Island, which a friend of mine is is love it like loves that movie, hit even ten million. Dracula Dead and Loving It, a movie that is directed by one of my heroes. Mel Brooks was higher than that. Some movies that were lower than that. Let's see here. I'm pulling it up. Let's take a look and see if there's any like surprising movies that were lower than that. Um, Let's see here. No. Wow. There was a lot of trash. There was a lot of trash that came out that year. Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde. I never saw it, but I always remember seeing the cover in Blockbuster. Um, Basketball Diaries, there we go. Little Leo, Hackers was able to beat Basketball Diaries, Mallrats. It beat the first e- entry by um, Kevin Smith. Let's see anything else worth uh, mentioning? Let's see here. Nothing too much. So you know, Hackers, you know, at least Hackers was able to do uh, beat out a few beat out a few things so that's good um oh it beat out tank girl tank girl uh one of the a very early comic book movie m- movie so yeah um ooh, it also came it also beat out before sunrise not by a lot though the very first um movie in the before trilogy by R- richard linklater very interesting so as you can see hackers is an interesting film it's a lot of fun. I think you should go out and watch it whenever you can. I'm going to watch it again. I might go watch it tonight again just to experience it. So if you get a chance, go watch Hackers 1995 Hackers. That's been our discussion today. You can always follow, follow me on uh, at Mets at the Movies. I'm gonna be trying to tweet a lot more about uh, my take my opinions on things in movies, other movies I've seen, things like that. if you if you know a movie that um, you'd be you'd uh, be interesting hearing my take on. you can let me though know there. Um, as i as I said in my previous uh, podcast, next week will be my twentieth episode, not including the uh, bonus ones. So I hopefully will have a special guest on my show. Um, He does have an IMDb page. He does voice acting. Uh, He's been voice acting for movies, TV shows, and uh, he doesn't know what movie we're going to be talking about. So hopefully he's going to be here for that. And then my 21st episode... I've uh, hopefully got another guest coming in if he agrees to it. He doesn't know that I'm going to try and sneak him in. But uh, we're going to be talking about a Star Wars movie. But not the one you're thinking of. But have courage, wink wink, that it'll be a good discussion. So those are hopefully going to be my next two weeks. And we're going to have some fun. So again, my name is Eric. And you've listened to... Mets at the Movies, and I will see you at the next screening.